Each episode, we bring you B2B leaders to learn about their successes, fails, and what's working for them in the market. Before we get into today's episode, we have a quick announcement. We just dropped the first in-depth study into account-based marketing in the region. Together with the independent research company, Shift Research Group, we surveyed more than 50 senior APAC marketing practitioners to uncover ABM usage, motivations, benefits, and pain points across the Asia-Pacific region. Along with a panel of ABM experts, including today's guest, Ronan Bray, we provide actionable insight, optimization techniques, and solutions to key pain points identified in the survey. The State of Account-Based Marketing APAC report is an invaluable guide for B2B marketers seeking to harness the power of ABM. Get your copy today at abm.xgrowth.com.au forward slash report. That's abm.xgrowth.com.au forward slash report. Or you can just hit the link in the podcast description to get your copy. That's enough from me. Let's dive right into today's episode. I'm Shane Hoda with Xgrowth, and today I'm talking to Ronan Bray, head of marketing APAC at Drift, about the role of conversational marketing in ABM and how the two go hand in hand when it comes to your ABM strategy. On that note, let's dive in. Ronan, thanks a lot for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. Great to be here. Absolute pleasure. Absolute pleasure. We're joining us from from sunny Perth. Super jealous when uh, when I'm sitting here in Melbourne and it's uh, it's gray and, and gloomy and uh, and all the stuff that uh, Melbourne is sometimes. But uh, but great to have you on the pod. Yeah, it's great to be here. Let's chat about chatbots and uh, and and conversational marketing. So we're talking about the the concept of conversational marketing and getting it incorporated in ABM. Where does that happen? How does conversational marketing kind of gets incorporated in the in the overall uh, scheme and, and, and ABM picture? Yeah, sure. So I think for conversational marketing and conversational sales, it's sort of like a channel in itself. So where you're looking at target accounts, you might be planning out, okay, how are we going to be targeting them? It might be like through LinkedIn ads, could be just through like a mass mail out, could be through Facebook ads, remarketing, all that good stuff. But when it comes to conversational sales and conversational marketing, I think it gives that additional layer of personalization and localization as well. So I feel that you're doing all this sort of work in the hope that they're going to come and visit your website. But as it sort of stands, they might visit your website, but you might not even know that they've, they've gone ahead and visited that. You might see some metrics, say, in a Google Analytics report saying you've got page visitors to this, say, specific landing page if you've built one for that account. But that's sort of the extent of it. So when it comes to conversational marketing and conversational sales, I think it's giving you that additional level of insight so that you can, say, notify the person in charge of that account that they're now actually on the website. And even a level up from that, from a conversational marketing point of view, you could build a whole VIP sort of experience for that customer. So, so for example, if I was targeting X growth as an account and I want to go after you as that sort of decision maker or influencer, I could actually build out an entire experience for knowing that Shaheen from X growth is on the website to the point of, say, welcoming you with your first name or if I'm not even sure of that level of information that it's, it's you as an individual from X Growth, I could just start with like welcome X Growth. And if I know the sort of experience that I want to map out for you, 
I could build that into that entire playbook or, or chat. So it's really about personalizing down to that sort of level and then also giving you the option of guiding that sort of conversation. I love that. I mean, you, you, you said something there that was quite interesting where you said it's, it's really another channel. And I think that's so important because that's where, that's where it kind of clicked for me, where previously I was like, you know, conversational marketing, chatbots, I don't know, how does that, you know, fit into the whole, the overall picture? But, you know, we, we obviously talk about to our clients and, and from our agency side quite a lot about the fact that when you're running an ABM strategy, it's multi-channel. You're, you're going to be leveraging multiple channels. And just like you said, could be advertising, direct mail, whatever it is. And when I started thinking about, hey, this is a new channel that you can introduce, that a new a new form of communication with your potential prospects, it just it it clicked for me. So I I, I love the fact that you uh, you brought that up. What are some of the examples? Because obviously people were looking at a new acquisition or 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 expansion within existing customers. When it comes to net new acquisition or acquiring new customers, what are some of the examples that you've seen organizations use chatbots in order to accomplish that, in order to accomplish, you know, landing new customers? Yeah, uh, well, I've, I've had the luxury of speaking with a number of our customers in APAC, putting, pulling together some customer stories. So <clears throat> that's been really valuable for me to see all the different sort of applications and across various industries as well. So... For example, I was speaking with a customer, Schedulo, um, last week. Um, they have a scheduling platform and uh, they were dealing with significant growth during the pandemic as they were actually leveraging their tool for people to be able to book COVID sort of testing in. Um, so they had a previous chat tool on their website, but it was more sort of geared towards support. And what was happening was that all these inquiries were sort of coming through, but largely sort of support-based, and that was really filling up all the sales team's time um, and consuming that as a sort of resource. So they then came across to Drift and like with the sort of routing that we could set up and the different sort of playbooks or, or chat experiences, um, that was one way that they've significantly increased their sales activity and pipeline and really filled their sort of sales team's calendars with bookings. Another one I can sort of think of uh, is Employment Hero, one of Australia's newest uh, unicorns. And so they have a HR platform and they're using it largely to drive more meetings or, or bookings. Um, even from like a B2C or more of a B2C side, um, speaking with another customer of ours, Bailey's Living, they build houses. Um, and so they've actually embedded drift into their whole sales marketing process because that as well is like a, a considered purchase. So rather than your sort of e-commerce sort of transaction, there's a lot of sort of research and due diligence that people go through with that. And they'll be comparing obviously multiple builders at having the uh, Drift uh, chatbot and the whole sort of platform running there has really helped uh, influence those people during that sort of research and decision phase. And at the same time, they're notifying, say, one of their uh, reps if they're back on the site, that they could either just engage with them in real time, like they'll they'll get pinged to say, this person's back on the website, do you want to jump into a chat? Or again, you could build out a specific playbook or experience for them as a known return visitor and someone that you're further down that sort of sales funnel with. Got it. Love it. What about, what about existing customers? So what about situations where 
a organization has maybe some strategic accounts and they are already working with them. But one of their main objectives is, hey, how do we increase the share of wallet? How do we increase the amount of work that we're doing with this particular customer? Where, the you know, does this conversational marketing and chatbots kind of have a play and have a say in, in that in those kind of scenarios? Yeah, absolutely. So it's not just about net new, um, looking like further down that sort of funnel or even then, let's say, an existing sort of customer. Um, because of this sort of integration, uh, the integrations available within Drift as well, you can leverage so many of your existing tools. So thinking about one situation even recently, this company had like a tech platform, like a SaaS sort of setup. So they have information syncing back from their own platform into Salesforce as their CRM as to what that person's doing within the actual product. So thinking, for example, that they've visited this part of our platform, um, but they haven't looked at these five features within our platform. That's where you could really leverage Drift to help with that upsell and cross-sell for those existing customers. And even for the product team within there, they their sort of focus is more on like adoption of features and use of those sort of features. So what you could do is start segmenting your existing database to say like this 30% have not touched this new feature that we've launched. Let's run a playbook to them talking about this is what that new feature is. Here's like a video to that. And then at the same time, be notifying the account manager to say that they're now watching this like video or mm. inter, um, interacting with this playbook. So now would be a sort of good time to call or um, follow up with them. Interesting. Yeah. So so you, right, right. You would, you would direct them. You have the information in your database whether you've cookied that person or or through other means of identifying them when you see them on on the on the website personalize that journey that kind of pushes them in 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 the direction of a certain product that you're trying to sell or a certain new feature that is is that you think it's suitable for them i love that that is um that is and then and then communicating that conversation that that um interaction back to the account team is uh, is even more important that is uh, that is that is really cool. Mm. I think yeah. there's even yeah. other things in there. Sorry yeah. to, to cut it. you off. Um, no go. Like with the sort of playbooks, because you can look at multi levels of sort of targeting and different sort of filters. You could have sort of like a catch all playbook running that if this is an existing customer and you can get that information through like the integration or sync with your CRM or marketing automation, then here's a sort of playbook experience for them. Or you can then get more granular as well and personalized that say you as Shaheen are a customer of, uh, of ours Drift and you're back on the website. I could identify that I'm your account manager and in that playbook say something like, welcome back, Shaheen. Um, Ronan, I know you've been working with uh, and then like insert account manager's name. Would you like me to grab him now and have a chat? So having that sort of flexibility or you can just have the option to be like, no, thanks, just browsing. And then you go off in your own way. But giving that sort of option and flexibility to both engage with your account manager or also similarly me as your account manager engage with you. Yeah, bringing all that level of personalization and existing data that you have and leveraging that. What do you think about the situations where, where that kind of thing happens? And, and someone's like, oh, shoot, they now know. The prospect is like, it just clicks for the prospect that it's like, oh, now they know that I'm looking at this feature. Is that, is that something that 
any of the customers have, have brought up as a concern? Is that something that you've come across? Well, what are your thoughts on, on, on the fact that, you know, sometimes the, um, uh, this is an extreme example, right? Extreme example, but, but bear with me. You know how recently uh, it was in the news that it came up, I think it was Big W was doing facial recognition in stores, uh, I don't know if you come across the news and yes. it was like massive backlash. It's like, oh, that's, you know, why are you tracking me? And why are you, why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? In these situations, whether that's right or wrong, that's, a, that's a, another conversation. But saying something like that, hey, I see you come back, you know, do you, and I know that you talked to John from, from sales or from the accounts. Do you want me to get John? There is an element of, yeah, of course I'm going to do that. It's like they've walked up to my store and I know their face and, hey, well, let me get you the right person. But people are not used to that on the website. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, like I think that situation is very, very different because say me going into, I think it was Good Guys and Bunnings as well, me going into those stores, I haven't got a relationship with any of those people. So why have you got this information on me? Whereas I think in a B2B environment, it's all about the sort of relationships that you build up and the connections that you have. And I think actually leveraging that improves that experience. And I think it's similar even adaptions to say you logging into Netflix and that using sort of AI to show you relevant things that you actually will like, that it's a time saver for you. Um, And similarly, like if I just had like a recent experience with Qantas losing my bags now, me calling up and having to explain that same situation every single time is really frustrating for me as a customer. Whereas if I could call them and they greeted me with, hi, Ron, and I know uh, from your last conversation we spoke about this, that is actually improving my experience with them and my view of them as a brand. I think as well, it's how you're using it. Like if you were, say, a first-time visitor to the site and I was giving all this information about things I know about you, I think that's very different to say if we're already an existing customer, we have a relationship already, and I'm just using that to make your experience better. And I think that's the whole change from, say, uh, like moving away from cookies uh, and more so relying on first, uh, first-party first data like that we already have uh, established between ourselves. I'm yet to hear anyone say or, or see anything across Drift with our customers to say like there's someone's complaining that we personalize this experience for them. It's quite the opposite around actually enhancing that customer experience. Saying this is too personalized. I don't like this. I don't like this much personalization for me. Yeah, exactly. Um, I don't like the fact that you're thinking about me so much. I love that. All right. Okay. (laughs) Let me, let me go to the next question. What are some of the misconceptions that you come across when it comes to chatbots? I think that, like, first off, it's just this annoying thing popping up on a website, pretty much like the equivalent of those banners that pop up if you're visiting a website that display within three seconds. I don't even know what you do yet and you're annoying me. Um, And that it's just one sort of one experience. It's like the same experience for every single visitor. It doesn't matter. And I've seen this at previous sort of companies where I was wanting to implement Drift, actually, that the first thought was, you know, we don't need a chatbot. It's just, you know, one of those sort of things, you know, it's not adding any value. Whereas it's yeah, particularly even more so since joining Drift, seeing all these different sort of applications across different industries, different countries, 
uh, it's a completely different experience to that. And I think even more so with Drift, it's not just about being a chatbot. It's about giving that sort of intelligence. It's about the sort of Drift video that allows salespeople to connect more personally um, and then get insights back on that. And then even recent sort of releases like uh, a deal room where you're bringing together the people from the company who is providing the service to that of who's acquiring it and making that experience a lot more seamless. And then even embedding like the uh, customer service uh, component of the Drift conversational platform as well. So it's no longer this thing popping up on the website. It's about a whole new sort of experience that is really designed to enhance that customer experience. Got it. Got it. Are there, are there, uh, I mean, I, I, I've definitely been guilty of thinking of chatbot and I mean, look, let's be honest. Some of the chatbots are annoying. Yeah. Right? I completely agree. There are definitely chatbots out there that you just like, just, just leave me alone. Just stop, yeah. stop dinging. What is that thing that's dinging? Which, which tab is that? Right. And that's, that's a question that, that happens quite a lot for me, but, uh, but it's, but it's interesting that you're saying, there is a way, there is a way to tackle this that, that not only it doesn't have that impact, but also it has a quite a positive reaction from a, from a user. Is that, is that, is that right? Yeah, definitely. And, and I'm not saying there's not a drift chat, uh, chatbot out there on someone's site that hasn't annoyed someone. But I think that's the beauty of like with drift, you're getting all this sort of insight into the reporting of it that say, you've built out these sort of 10 different flows within that chat and they're all dropping off at this second flow. Like that's indicating to me that this experience is not a positive one. So what can we do to go back and change that to ensure it actually is a positive one? And then let's compare the changes of how this performed this week with these new updates versus what we had previously. So it becomes then about, uh, for me anyway, as a marketer and I love all sort of tech, then about doing sort of experiments and optimizing and actually seeing the, the benefits of that. Experimenting ex- experimenting, and then seeing the benefits of it. What foundation do I need to be able to experiment and, and see the benefit of it, right? Like there are certain, th- I would imagine there are certain things that, that you would see within companies that you're like, you know, if you have this and this and this in place, you're going to see a lot more success than if you don't. Yeah. What, what 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 comes to mind? What what are some of those? So I see is sort of with any sort of B two B now anyway, like four sort of foundational pieces. One is your website. So obviously it's going to be quite a nice modern sort of website and an enjoyable experience for that customer, irrespective of anything else going on. Two, um, ideally, if you have a CRM in place, so say like a Salesforce or a HubSpot. Um, Even that would uh, be sufficient, but the ultimate sort of setup is having a marketing automation piece as well. That could, again, be like HubSpot because they cover the sales and marketing. could be like a Marketo or a Pardot or an Eloqua. And then the fourth component of that foundation that I really look at is the conversational platform. So obviously something like a Drift where you've got your conversational sales, marketing and support. Having those pieces all there I think you're going to have awesome sort of success that then it just becomes a piece about let's test out sort of different ads that we can push into this whole funnel and see how we can optimize that. Got it. Are there any non-tech requirements that you see people need to have? So um, that maybe might be the the traffic that they get on on their websites. 
It might be the the you know the the structure of the sales team that uh, you know certain roles need to be present. Anything else? Yeah, I think it is probably. I mean, yeah, irrespective of a conversational platform or not, having those pieces is important. But uh, in terms of like your your team structure, but said that, I've also seen drift be a sort of glue between teams and what's actually brought them together. Because from a marketing point of view, you can leverage uh, drift to test out sort of optimization and conversion, say across organic traffic coming to our site versus we're running these specific ad campaigns. And then from a sales point of view, then being able to say, notify them that this target account's on your site, that's then giving, uh, bringing sales into the piece a lot sooner than what would be traditionally say, waiting around for someone to submit an inquiry. Then you're hoping that that salesperson is quick to respond and that experience is good for the customer. Um, as opposed to the good old marketing versus sales that sales are saying there's not enough leads coming through, then leads are coming through and it's like salespeople just aren't following up. Whereas this provides a sort of platform that's giving full transparency into here's the traffic coming through our site, here's the experiencing that marketing has delivered and then here's the actual impact it's had on my ability to book more meetings with people or generate more pipeline as a salesperson. Um, And we've used that even really well within our own team. So sitting down with the sales guys to go through who would be an ideal sort of customer for us. Um, And this is the sort of things that I'm looking to do from a marketing point of view. How does that sort of sound with you? And having that sort of alignment and that setup as well to say, let's make sure that they're marked as target accounts within Salesforce, that that all then sync across to Drift and then notify you that they're now on the site and you can jump into that conversation. Got it. Got it. Okay. Ronan, I've asked a bunch of questions, but I also have a few rapid fire questions that I want to ask you. But but before we kind of go and start talking about rapid fire questions, is there anything else about kind of conversational marketing and ABM uh, and the and and the and the things that we talked about that you think I maybe haven't covered or we didn't we didn't dive deep enough in it, and you think it's it's worth talking more about? Is there anything that comes to mind? I think it's just some of the cool things that you can get out of this. Like even within our own team, we've set up like a bit of yeah, we've set up like a bit of a sort of competition that like within our APAC team, come up with an idea for a playbook that we can run, um, and let's test out the sort of results. Like you, you put the sort of work into analyze. This is why I'd want to do that, and that could even be sourcing information from me, being like what are our most visited pages or where's the most traffic coming from in terms of countries visiting. And then I can give them that sort of intel to help feed that sort of idea. Um, And we've come up with some really cool ones, like uh, making it specific to just the country to start at that sort of higher level. So targeting, say, people from India, and the first thing that we're putting on there is like who's going to win the Indian Premier League, like cricket. And like we think uh, it's uh, this thing, I think it was like the Punjab Kings or something like that. And seeing the sort of engagement and even direct feedback to our team saying how like how cool that was as an experience is really cool for like bringing the sort of team together, but then also sort of encouraging like that initiative and that sort of thought about like what else could we be doing? And the next one was like, let's look at existing customers and make that more personalized to be like, I know you were previously speaking with Adam. Um, Do you want me to go and grab him now? And then, again, being able to report back on what's the conversion on that looking like, what's the engagement on that looking like, um, and let's make some tweaks from here. So it becomes a bit of a a fun tool as well for really bringing sales and marketing ideas together, but also then leveraging your existing database, like 
you know, so many, you'll spend so much money building up your database of like leads, but more often than not, those sort of leads might go stale or data might be sort of out of date that you can really use Drift to re-engage those people and enrich that sort of data as well. Um, so it's not just about, you know, you need to go spend more money on lead gen campaigns. It's like, let's, we've got this new ebook that we came out with that's going to help marketing sort of leaders. Let's share this with our database. And on the call to action to access that, we actually build it in a conversational landing page. So that's an embedded PDF or a video. And then you've got a playbook running alongside that. And again, if that's a target account engaging, that'll notify the sales guys. So I feel it's like a tool for good fun as well, like testing things out. I love it. All right. No, that's that's awesome. Let's dive in and do some rapid fire questions, sir. Let's do it. So the first thing I want to ask you is what is one resource, could be a book, a blog, a talk, a podcast, whatever it is, that's fundamentally changed the way you either work or you live or you do certain things? What comes to mind? Probably this very sort of quick YouTube video, like Tech Talk uh, with Simon Sinek talking about like the why. Um, I don't know, he's got a whole book on that. Um, we're actually given a yes. copy at the uh, a recent catch up uh, with the Drift team in Boston. But I think it's about a 10 or 15 minute video on YouTube. And he's talking particularly about how Apple went about changing their sort of marketing approach. And that was really, really interesting because it sort of changes the way that you look at how your position, whichever company or solution you're you're working for. Um, so that yeah, that one for sure. Love it. Question number two is if you could give one advice to B2B marketers, what would it be? I'd sort of do it in two in that like mapping out your whole sort of tech stack and the process of how your sales and marketing teams are coming together. So saying like at the very top of the funnel, we're running ads through like LinkedIn, blah, blah, blah. They're coming through the website. Um, for those that do say inquire, they're going through to our CRM here. We've then got our marketing automation set up. Just having that central view to see how it's all working because then it becomes a, a piece of like what could we start testing out or optimizing on the back of that. And I think even sort of tied to that is getting more across how each of these components work. So say at the moment if you're outsourcing all of your sort of stuff, actually digging in more to test out, say, let's run an ad and I'm going to actually build that myself or I want to see how to build a web page because the more that you see how these all work, then you can see how they're all pulling together and how, say, if you get feedback from the team, how this piece of feedback could be implemented in these four different areas. Yeah, you get a, you get a really hands-on experience of how things work, eh? Yeah, and, exactly. And that, and that, yeah, that could really catapult things forward. Um, got it. Question number three, what, who are some of the influencers that you follow in this space? There are a few, but I'd say probably the number one for a long time now has been Neil Patel. That started off just to sort of upskill and increase my knowledge in the SEO sort of space. But I think that's really extended into other parts around like digital marketing is a sort of favorite of mine. And also then just seeing applications, say, from e-commerce and B2C as to how that could then be applied to, to B2B as well, which I think is a lot of what uh, how Drift started out, like why can the experience be so good in a B2C environment, but that same not be available in B2B. So that's been cool for me. Got it, got it. And I think you, you're, you're also 
not not um being being humble and maybe not name dropping not not dropping the drift's name too much but i think you know the other of someone really awesome is is one of your co-founders as well that i really really enjoy cancel um yeah. i'm i'm blanking on on first name but um david 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 cancel that's right yeah. and and he's definitely a veteran in in this space but um for for people who should definitely check david cancel uh and uh, and and see what he's all about Yeah. Last question. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you want to say something? You want to I was just going to say, I, I, he was one of the others as well. It was first how I actually came across Drift. Uh, I was listening to his or watching the webinars that he was involved with a few years ago and actually annoyed him with a direct reach out over a LinkedIn. Uh, but, and then here I am now working for them. But I didn't want to drop our own sort of you know, founder or co-founder. I know, name. I know. But uh, <laughs> I, I, couldn't, I couldn't resist. I couldn't resist. But uh, no, that's awesome. Last question is, what's something that excites you about B2B today? I think just how quickly the different sort of techs evolving and like with, say, AI coming into things and like machine learning and things like that as well. And how just integrated all the platforms are now that I think there's so many different ways you could, you probably got some set up already as a B2B marketer. There's probably like 50 different ways you haven't already thought about what, how else could we use this platform And the idea of just testing different things out and even getting a whole team involved to come up with some ideas and then you being the one to even build that out or test that out and sharing that back, that sort of stuff is what really excites me. Love it. Ronan, this has been an awesome conversation. You've, you've dropped too many golden nuggets here. And I'm, I'm, sure, <laughs> really um, no, I'm, I'm sure a lot, of, I enjoyed it and I'm sure a lot of the listeners will take a lot out of it. And I uh, just want to say thank you very much for, uh, for coming on the pod. Absolute pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. This episode of Growth Colony was produced by Alexander Hipwell. It was edited by Dave Samito with additional editing and music arrangement also by Alexander Hipwell. Special thanks to Tina Wabe, Liza Maywald and Rod Hoda. We couldn't make this show without you. The show is hosted by Shaheen Hoda. Don't forget to pick up your copy of the State of Account-Based Marketing APAC Report at abm.xgrowth.com.au forward slash report. That's abm.xgrowth.com.au forward slash report. Or just hit the link in the podcast description to get your copy. Thanks again for all the support and look forward to you joining us again in the next one.